1: The show. You know what's annoying about therapists sometimes? They're freaking opinions. (laughs) Yeah, I hate when
0: they do what I'm paying them to do.
1: (laughs) You just keep that to yourself and let me live my miserable life. You and all of your opinions. You got slapped with some opinions.
0: I did. I hate it when my therapist makes valid points. So she brought up something about my friendship and relationship history that has sent me into a... Self discovery spiral, if you will. So shout out to my girl Amy. She hasn't ghosted me. Love you, girl. Um, and I don't know if you've ever started a therapy session and thought, you know, wow, I really feel fine. I'm fixed. I'm mental illness. Who is she? Because that was me last week when I was going into therapy. I was like, all my problems have been solved. I'm sure they'll come up in the future. But as for now, I'm like totally fine. So I get into this therapy session and I just start like listing things off my calendar. I'm like, let's look at my itinerary. Did this last week, it made me feel this way, and I'm doing this next week. And it made me feel that way. And I'm just honestly sort of avoiding doing any kind of really deep mm-hmm. diving. And so I'm in the middle of this therapy session. And of course, therapists do what therapists do. And they actually get you to talk you talk to you about your feelings. Yeah. And we start going in <laughs> on my social anxiety. And the one good thing about me and therapy is I'm a very self-aware person. And I think that's one of the reasons why I've skipped out on therapy for a while is that Most of the time I know why I do the things that I do. I just don't really want to deal with them.
1: All right. Let's deal with that for just one second. I have a question here. Okay. Okay. About people, myself included, that say that they're self-aware. Okay. Those that say self-aware, you're only self-aware through your own lens. So it's not a very objective self-awareness, is it?
0: It's not, I think sometimes I like to think that I'm an objective person. Like I think that I'm real enough with myself that I know where I fall into the world in terms of like my behavioral patterns and where... I think I'm pretty objective in terms of like seeing things from the outside. But I also have the internal perspective of like, I know why I did what I did. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know why everyone else thinks I did what (laughs) I did. So I I will say the one good thing about therapy is that you do get to have somebody else's perspective through the lens of their own uh, mental health training and also just their own viewpoints in terms of like, having so much context with working with so many people. So we're going in on my social anxiety and I'm doing what I do in therapy. I'm just being overly self-aware and trying to fix my own problems, despite the fact that I'm literally paying someone to fix my problems and tell me what's (laughs) wrong with me. So I'm going in on my social anxiety and I have had a little bit of anxiety with social situations most of my life. And I think I assumed I'd had a fear of rejection because of my perfectionism like, I have a fear that people will notice flaws that I already notice being an objective person and that if they speak it into the void and I realize that it's not just in my head and that it's a real thing, I think it's going to send me down like a deep dark path. Huh. And which is what which is why I think I've had like anxiety in social situations. Like I have a fear of Messing up, which you're going to do as a human, which so it's stupid. Can
1: you give us an example of something that you know about you that you're hoping others don't (laughs) see? But if they do, then it will confirm what you think.
0: Well, like, you know, if you make a joke (laughs) and nobody laughs, it's quite a bit. I
1: think we've all been there. It has like a
0: deep, it, it would confirm a subtle fear that maybe I have that I'm not actually. Funny. Or in this case, it got even worse because I'm like, wow, I'm literally being paid to make people laugh. So if I don't make people laugh, then I'm literally not doing my job, which will then send me down another (laughs) spiral about the fact that I can't be really good at my job, which ruins the fact that I'm like a perfectionist. So then if I'm not a perfectionist, who am I? And it's just awful. So anyway. I, I, that's why I've always felt like I've had social anxiety, is that fear of rejection. And there's probably some truth to that. theres pro, That's probably one piece of the pie. But of course, you're going to therapy. You're having somebody else tell you their perspective from their lens and view in the world. And so she kind of hit me in the face with something that I had never thought about. So... I was talking to her about some of my past relationships and friendships and she goes, hmm, it's very interesting to me that you've noted this, noticed this this pattern that everyone you get close to leaves out of nowhere. Don't you think somebody who's experienced that kind of trauma would grow to have a fear of relationships? And I'm looking at her like, pfft. I come on the show every day crying out for a boyfriend. You think I'm afraid of relationships? <laughs> and then I kind of sit back and I listen to her, her reasoning. She's like, really? Like if, if everyone you've gotten close to and opened up to and the people that you thought you were closest to in this world rejected you, don't you think on a subconscious level you would be afraid to open up and that would in turn turn into some kind of Anxiety in social situations, and I'm like, hmm, the math is mathing. So this weekend I was having a lot of social situations, and I was uh, grabbing coffee with a friend the other day. And this, is, this friend is the type of person who is just so warm and open and the friendship thing just comes easy to this person. And I'm kind of taking note of how she's acting in the situation and I'm noticing how I'm acting in this situation where like my muscles are a little tense. I'm <laughs> overthinking what I'm about to say. I'm planning out the jokes that I want to tell to make sure that she laughs because if <laughs> she laughs then she'll like me. And I'm like, hmm. Maybe she made some valid points (laughs) that I have a fear of building relationships with people, probably because of past trauma. So um, I learned some things about
1: myself last week. So I didn't know about the past trauma, but so help me that this is the truth. I have written down here and I didn't know how I was going to bring it up or when I was going to bring it up.
0: You've just been sitting on this? I
1: have been sitting on this (laughs) and I was going to use it for bonus content, right? And what I wrote, my note here says, Abby not ready for a relationship, okay? And what I was going to talk to you about is this. It's not possible for somebody to go out on 200 dates and not be excited about a second date without there being something underlying there keeping you out of a relationship. Now, I don't know anything about your past trauma or being bailed on by people that would keep you, but it seemed to me, as a guy that's watched Dr. Phil quite a bit, that there's got to be a reason why you've never been excited for a second date. And this makes sense to me.
0: I think it's a mixture of things. I mean, I do think that 95% of people you go out with are going to be wrong for you in some way. Mm -hmm. And I think something she also, we also talked about on a completely separate level, is that I'm kind of the type of person that's either all in or all out. I only do big things and I only do like small things. I'm never like in the middle. I'm never in the gray area. And so for me, I think part of the reason I haven't been excited for other dates is The fact that I'm kind of like, I'm either going to be really, really excited or I'm just not going to be interested at all. And I think I typically fall in the latter category.
1: Hold on one sec, Mo, just because I want to follow this just for one second. But even if you... There should still be... The math is not mathing. If you go out on 200 dates and you're not excited about a second date for any of them, there has to be something underlying there. And I agree with what you're saying is Mm -hmm. 95% of people you go out on a date with, you're not going to be excited about or go out on a second date with. But the fact that you haven't gone on that second date out of all those, I mean, it's a zero. You're zero for 200. There had Mm -hmm. to be something else there.
0: Okay. I don't know that 200 might've been inflated. Let's say 75 75 might even be inflated. Let's say 50. I have been on second dates before. I've just never been excited for it. And I think that's maybe because I, again, I'm like all in or all out. So, yeah, I think that's kind of fair.
1: I could be wrong, but I've always saw this a little differently than you. I've always saw Abby as the kind of person, and I can I can relate to it in a sense, as you just don't settle. Like, And I think if a person were to admit to themselves that they are not going to settle by any means necessary, like you are just not going to accept anything less than what you deem to be perfection for you, mm-hmm. I think you can easily go through 75 dates and not find somebody that gets you excited. Really? I hadn't See, thought of that. I
0: like that better. Yeah, I
1: bet you do. <laughs> <laughs> that, may, that, may, that answer made me feel good. I <laughs> <laughs> do you think there's some validity to that. Like, I do think the good ones, should it should be harder to find the correct partner. There's a lot of jacked up people there. Yeah. That can find jacked up people, equally jacked up people. But I think when you're at a certain level... Uh, of health, then it should be very, very difficult to find a life partner. We talked about how the divorce rate is so high. I think it would be lower if people were more patient and really waited for what suited them. The Furt Show.